Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. I love today's episode. Once again, we have two guests, although I'm kind of like a side guest in this one. Mike Abrams reached out and said, hey, Josh White has a really interesting story. Let's do an interview with him. And I said, well, you know the most about his story. So you write the questions and do the interview which he basically did, which I loved, but I love to, you know, be able to sneak in my questions when I want to know more about something. So a big thank you to Mike for hosting this interview and to Josh for joining us. Speaking of Mike, so if you are a listener of the podcast, you know that Mike Abrams and I run a management agreement course, and we just started a cohort in uh, a couple of weeks ago. We'll do our next one in January. So stay tuned for that. But Mike and I are both speaking at an upcoming conference together. Well, we're not speaking together. I'm speaking. I'm doing part of the keynote. And then Mike is doing a session on creative partnerships, management agreements, et cetera. And that conference is Flex World 2021. It's Office R&D's first ever virtual conference. I know lots of you are Office R&D users out there. Uh, lots of my members are. So I'm excited to join them. They have a fantastic team and put out some great content. So they're hosting Flex World 2021 on August 21st. You can register by going to flexworld.io. It's totally free. They have a flex track focused on flex and co working space industry, covering hot topics, including management agreements with landlords. And you'll see Mike Abrams in that session demand generation, which we can never get enough of, and more. They're also running a hybrid track focused on sort of corporate users that are trying to figure out how to return to the office. So if you want to join us, I'm sure it'll be a great community. They're using a cool platform that I think will make room for some great engagement. Again, flexworld.io. Okay, so back to Josh White and Michael Abrams. Josh is the managing director at MRP Realty. So they are an asset owner and they launched their own flex office co-working brand called Make Offices. And I'm sure in the interview, Josh says when that was, <laughs> I don't have it in my notes. And over time, MRP expanded that brand into non-owned assets, which presented some challenges and was not really allowing them to do what they wanted to do in the business. So after several years of learning and a global pandemic and a significant evolution in what tenants want from their office space, they relaunched a more inclusive building services platform under the moniker Heyday Properties. So I actually really like this episode. I love all my episodes, but it's kind of a mix of like bigger picture, like strategy about what's happening today in commercial office. And Josh gets into some details about how they run the spaces and what's unique about their ability to control the asset and the flexible business inside of it and how they leverage building staff and other folks that are on that 
asset management team to also run the flex space. So it's really interesting from a couple of different perspectives. So I will let you get into it. Enjoy the show. Welcome. We have uh, two guests today, Michael Abrams and Josh White. So Michael has been with us several times. Michael and I are collaborating on a course to help folks understand how to negotiate and create management agreements and other creative co-working partnerships. Josh White is a guest today. I met Josh through the uh, GWA. Josh, I think we maybe coerced you to speak and then we wrangled you onto the advisory board. So, um, but I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Josh is the managing director at MRP Realty and he's going to talk about their Heyday Property Services platform. Um, Michael has teed up some questions to ask Josh about their experience and and some forward-looking sort of plans around flexible office. So we're going to dive right in. Michael, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you. I'll let you start. And both of you give a little more context um, for an intro, if you'd like, as you begin. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Thanks, Jamie. Um, And thank you, Josh, for taking the time. So um, MRP Realty has been I guess in in my view as an outsider, um, they've been slightly ahead of the curve with innovation, creativity from office buildings to industrial. They're mainly focused on um, the East Coast, I believe. Is that correct, Josh? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. I, I you know, if you look at across our portfolio, including industrial, yep. we span from uh, New England down uh, yep. with with a recent focus in, in the southeast and the Sun Belt. And so we're in Nashville and some large developments right. and really looking at the Charlotte and Raleigh markets that we like as well. Right, right. Well, um, from from an outsider, they are very well respected and most of their projects, I'd say actually maybe all of their projects. There's um, there's this great um, energy and synergy that um, they create and they do quite well. So with that and with this emergence of flex and hospitality in the office market um, many years ago was this vision to create its own brand called uh, Make Offices. So, you know, I always try to learn and um, we try to get um, folks like yourself to teach us, um, you know, what was the vision? What was the early on objectives? Um, you know, what's interesting is, um, when I started, um, the business in flex, I came out of, of a, a real estate company, very similar, but we had a different approach. And I think because of MRP's, um, size and scale, I think, you know, we can learn from um, that expertise about you know what you've learned and the trial and error process um, that goes along with it. So I'd love to know just you know the the origins and and how it was created, why it was created, who was your target user, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the, the journey with MRP and, and, and flexible office, the initial exposure was. Uh, very akin to what all of our members probably start out in. We were actually renovating. We were renovating our offices and and we all moved into uh, uh, A-make offices. And instantly what appeals to so many in co-working, 
co-working, especially sort of the early days of uh, you know startup culture, single shingle businesses, entrepreneurs, just the excitement and the energy that sort of happened in, in, in the hallways. And so that was our first uh, introduction into it. And it led to a, a, a investment um, in, in, in make offices. And so that's how uh, we kind of came to eventually, through additional rounds of investment, have uh, operating control of make offices. I served as a role there. Um, and a lot of that capital that we put up for the business went towards expansion and, and took make offices to, to 15 locations. Um, and then I think from a trial and error, error standpoint that, that you mentioned, um, we've had, you know, we've had a change in thinking. We're still uh, really long co-working flexible office. We feel that that segment of the market, um, as is predicted, will continue to grow where it fits in the asset. We are always looking to put flexible office in the asset, be it traditional co-working or spec suite programs that, that are serviced and amenitized and pre-furnished. Um, so now we've kind of fallen back to a position um, and, and it's coincided with the pandemic that we just want to operate within assets we manage and or own that we're a capital partner on um, that we're repositioning. So uh, that means a couple of the old make offices have come uh, under our, our, our new portfolio, but we transitioned a lot of the others either reassigned and or um, transition them to other operators where we had been in, in arrangements where we were tenants. Right, right. So so when make offices is in an MRP realty building, um, even though they are separate, <clears throat> what, what does that structure look like? Is that a lease? Is it a hybrid? Is it a partnership? How do, how do the two entities um, do business together? Yes, they're, they're, they're partnerships, but the details um, of each arrangement are 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 different and and you know to comply with REITs and, and and things like that. But essentially, they they are management agreements, but they can have um, you know they can have the 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 look of a shopping mall or a parking uh, type of lease to, to for, for for REIT compliance. Um, but we are you know working to. Uh, in conjunction with asset ownership and you know the, the landlords to to fund the operating expense, and then there's typically some sort of uh, share in revenues beyond that. Right, right, right. That's at you know described at a very high level. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you know when you guys were expanding outside of your portfolio, um, that and that's a huge jump for any for any group, as as you know. Were were your deals outside of your portfolio in a similar light, or were you um, having to um, sign actual uh, traditional leases? Yes, we during that expansion period we were signing leases. So um, those locations that transitioned to new operators, kind of at the beginning of of twenty twenty, uh, had had been. Uh, taken up as leases by make offices. Right. Right. And so, you know, I, cause that's that rent arbitrage game is so volatile, even, even in a good climate, much less having to deal with a pandemic. Um, you know, I mean, it, there's so much learning experience, um, by having to go through that, um, turmoil and stress, like, you know, 
what would you highlight? What would you tell people to um, look out for? Yeah, so I, I think any, and this was predicted, right? I think there are a lot of people who were were waiting for that first downturn, the pressure test, right. the, oh, yeah. the co-working yeah. model under a lease on this. Um, and, and, and so we saw that. We, we, we got that pretty quickly. And I think that people asking those questions were, were, were right. And that you cannot... Um, have your single uh, in the, uh, market leading feature and benefit being flexibility. Um, you know, your primary selling point then becomes your your primary weakness very very quickly, and that's and that's uh, uh, obviously uh, what what happened. And so that's why you've seen uh, a a pendulum swing to management agreements. Um, better alignment both in, on, on upside and, and downside that I think was ha- you know, happening. I don't think that – what's interesting is I don't think that the pandemic and what has happened to revenues due to sort of a flight from, from, from co-working for a period of time um, has, has impacted the reputation of, of it as an office product segment. And, in fact, I think – think uh, it's it's right now we're going through the opposite uh, of that. And that's because, yes, it's the first segment of the office market to feel the flight because of the flexibility that that is its selling point. Um, but it's also becoming the, 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 the first to feel the return and the rebound. And, yep. and, 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 and we're, and we're in the, in the midst of that. I think, um, and the local markets were in, I mean, May, June, and the first two weeks of July were just, you know, we're, we're, we were on fire. I, I think sentiment due to like variants and, and, and returns of restrictions um, has dampened that, that positivity and return to office. Some things have been put on hold, things like that. Um, but we, flexible office was absolutely the, the, where everyone was returning to. Um, yeah, yep. and we've seen that. So, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass: three behind-the-scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I wanna make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host 
a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. Michael, can I begin with a follow-up question? Sure. Josh, you mentioned in our pre-chat, you're kind of talking about um, circular value creation within a building and how you you mentioned sort of asset build out, you know, market fit in. So in your new product, and I'd love for you to describe what that looks like in talking about circular value creation within a building, is the flex always there to turn a profit or is there another sort of ROI for that business? Yeah. So, so um, circular value creation, sort of reciprocal value creation, that's that's what we talk about when we have this perfect sort of product, office product fit to to the asset and the submarket. So it's really feeding off the demand and the office environments in the co-working and, and spec suite floors fit what tenants are coming to that building for. Um, so you don't have kind of a company culture or or company lifespan disconnect where all of your gig workers and startups are going to the co-working floor, but then you've got your you know your law firms and your consultants going going to the rest of the building. If you want integration, if you want value creation, you need all those things to fit. And what we see when we can get it firing on all cylinders and, and get that to work is in just kind of just for simple math in a hundred square foot, hundred thousand square foot asset, we will see in a year graduating from co-working either into spec suites or traditional office between seven thousand and ten thousand square feet. So we're kind of co-working is a launching pad on Bat Circle, feeding the other types of longer-term office product, and then coming back the other way for various reasons. They're renovating, they're expanding, they're in between office size, they're waiting for um, you know, space to, 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 to come back on the market within the building. We see about 15 to 20% of the co-working occupancy being taken up by the, the other tenants in the, in the building. Um, and so in the the, latter, the second half of that question, yes, it's it's for a profit. Um, we we do see it as an amenity, um, but it still does need to stand on its own and 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 turn a profit. And like I think most out there, we are looking for it to deliver at at a minimum market rent, at a stabilized occupancy. Right, and, and you know, with your portfolio. Um, you, you do um, attract a lot of uh, big national um, tenants. Do you find today, because of everything we've seen with the acceleration of flex, are tenant are potential tenants asking for flex before they make a commitment to the building? So yes, we are absolutely seeing that uh, more and more requirements for flexible components in the building. Um, and so I think as that comes, and I believe that uh, Europe and especially the UK have been sort of the leading edge of that. Uh, we uh, probably two years ago, we started to hear about that being baked in as a requirement to more, um, to more often, you know, you know, searches for, for companies out on the market for office space. 
so they see that as a sort of a built-in valve to expand into um, and, th- and things like that. So they, it's certainly seen as an amenity. We, we have, uh, we're repositioning an asset right now where we're chasing uh, a very, very large tenant user who has that requirement and, and uh, the building doesn't have flexible office right now, but it allows us to sort of collaborate on what that space is going to look like for them. And so they have say, they've got a requirement of having flexible office in the building. We say, hey, we're going to build this out contingent on um, going to lease with you all. And we will we will um, take your feedback in the in the design of that space. Right. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, we've come full circle, you, you know, from make offices to heyday properties, um, you guys are out there. You're very, very active. Like if, if you could look into that crystal ball, like where do you see this demand going in the future? Um, because, you know, so many groups today, they're looking at the enterprise groups. And as we discussed before we got on, on this call, um, we, we, you know, we talk about how, you know, the backbone of America is on small companies. So how can, you know, are we looking to satisfy everybody or are we just going to focus on one subset? Yeah. Um, it's great. You know, thought-provoking question. I'll go, I'll go to the kind of the first part, which is um, so crystal ball, kind of where where we see things. I think we're in a period of increased demand, a bolus of demand for for flexible products. I think that the driving force behind that is just uncertainty and mostly in like employee driven uncertainty, head counts, workstation counts. Things like that. How you know, we we we've always thrown around the, the term future of work, but we're actually kind of staring at this this period. Like everything beyond this period is actually like kind of like a new dawn, right? For how, yep. how we're working. We're in the future. <laughs> yes, we are. We're, we're yeah, yeah. toes are in. Um, so I think the demand is mostly being driven by um, the desire to buy time, kind of kick a can for a while without signing up and making too too long of a commitment on space because you talk to these decision makers and yes they're surveying their employees about who wants to come to work how often these sorts of things and that data is moving right just as sentiment around you know the country uh consumer sentiment all these sentiments changing at the at the whisper of a new variant or the increase of a, a of a infection rate and, and positivity rate in certain periods you know, we 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 feel that we're almost like canaries in the coal yep. mine because of the flexibility that that a lot of our membership has, at least within our co-working floors. So I think these decision makers, the last thing they want to do is sign up for ten years and whiff on that, either too small or or, or too big. And so, a lot of new business won over the last four or five months, and we're seeing it play out on a monthly basis. Are those that have wanted to equip themselves with the ability to expand and contract as their employees either gain, grow in confidence and wanting to come back to an off environment, or all of a sudden the next month, again, I said mention of a new variant or something like that, decide they don't want to. So they can shed and or add seats monthly. And we're seeing that. Right. You know, thank goodness right now it's all on all, all the positive. Um, our spec suite programs, which we'll do 
12 month terms on um, are have absolutely been within across our portfolio. One of the, the most in demand um, sort of office types, the pre-furnished, pre-wired service. Um, but again, I think that this is to buy time to have better line of sight to what that next office was going to be. And I think, you know, if I, if I had to, if I had to guess, I think in the next 24 to 36 months, we'll start to see longer term commitments back into the seven to 10 year term length. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be on a consolidated basis kind of pre-pandemic square footage footprints, because I think workstations will be down, but I'm not sure overall space needs will be down because you hear a lot talking about team rooms, collaboration rooms. Hey, if this team's only coming in once a week, well, they still all 10 of them need to be there and, and, and things like that. So right. um, I, 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 don't, I can't sort of predict that. I think that the environments in terms of workstations and open desk seating and all that's going to change. Um, right. right. And, and, and again, we do see that because a lot of our members where they would just take private office, private office, private office are now taking a private office and a room for a team room and a room for a conference room, even though they can go into the shared conference room. So you're actually seeing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of tenants taking down multiple offices, but repurposing them for, for separate uses. Right, right. So, so here, here's, here's something interesting. Um, and we all observe this with the pandemic, <clears throat> other than members fleeing, there was such a difference between urban core centers and suburban locations. And like, you know, you, you just, you, you're not, um, we're not reading a lot about this differentiation, but for those of us that are in the business, we've seen just huge ups and downs with suburban locations versus urban centers. How, what, what's your view on that? I'm not sure I have a, a strong view, but I'll tell you what our observations were. And that was absolutely with, during the pandemic. So pre kind of vaccine availability, um, we felt that suburban locations or sort of edge edge urban um, maintain the best occupancy levels. And, and our belief around that was it was from a, it's a mode of transportation. They're most often served by surface parking and they're much less likely to be uh, accessed via, you know, bus or met Metro, which there's uh, you know a lot of apprehension about. Right. So um, that that's the belief that we thought around there in terms of a return though, we're seeing much better return and releasing in central business district locations. And again, that's more of like a socioeconomic slash demographic belief there is in that those, those edge slash suburban, you know, more single family homes, therefore more likely to have a home office, more kids. So they're waiting for kids to go back to school and things like that. Whereas central business district, more multifamily, more, more dense residential, less likely to have a home office, more likely to want to get back. Uh, and collaborate and be amongst their peers and, and things like that from a social set standpoint. So those are the two things we've seen at play. That's great. Hey, I wanted to just interrupt, Josh, can you just kind of give us an overview of what the heyday model is like? 
Because yes. we started talking about make offices and Heyday is a full building solution, which is still somewhat unique and flex. I'd love to hear and very hospitality focused. I'd love right. to hear what that looks like. Yeah, so absolutely. So so MRP um, is kind of the, the reputation and hallmark, at least in the in the commercial, uh, in our commercial division and office division is, is, is repositioning, right? Working with um, capital partners to develop a new story and strategy to, to improve an asset, improve leasing velocity and rates and things like that. Um, and property management, we feel is a tool in repositioning as is, is flexible office and, and, and amenities. It's not just the rooftop, the gym, and redoing the lobby, it's 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 adding other things. It's adding uh, a lot of times a differentiated property management, which is heyday. And I think, you know, when we talk about hospitality or differentiation or experiential, um, you know, I want to give the credit to the team that developed that because it was sort of re-engineered. They spent time with the Ritz group. They spent time with, you know, the, the brands out there that you believe are, are hospitality. So this isn't just lip service or checking a box or dropping words like hospitality into, uh, into a deck, right? Um, you feel it. And it was in, engineered from the experience from dropping off your car, how you enter the parking garage. I mean, it was just absolutely, you know, soup to nuts. Uh, re-engineered. And that's what Heyday is. And a lot of it's driven by technology. A lot of it's driven by design and a lot of it's driven by the amenities that are in there. Um, and so that's what, what Heyday is. Um, and so co-working and flexible office type, you know, office products are with are, are within Heyday. And we operate them in traditional non-differentiated property management but also in the in the different in the in the hay, in a heyday uh, managed asset. So that's one unique thing. The other unique thing is, um, although I think we're going to see more and more of this, is that operations of the flexible office. So when I talk about operations, I mean sales, marketing, um, touring, um, negotiations, servicing, day to day. It's handled in an integrated fashion to property management. And so the economics of that model are very, very different than, uh, it's, it, it's really a, a self-operated model. It really is. So um, you leverage economies of scale in things like your janitorial service, your security, um, you know, th- th- things like that. And so it's a very, very ownership-friendly model as long as is the group that's managing it has flex experience. Um, and so we've just seen it as being way, way more profitable for ownership to a lot of the third-party you know, operators out there. There's some great ones out there. Um, but I think across the board, it can be it can be very beneficial. It's just something that you know owners should should consider. That's great. No, that I, I mean. There's there's a clear path and vision in the future, teaming up flex with technology and design. I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head. I guess at, at the end of the day, while we talk about it a lot, the one thing that we all have learned is um, it takes a lot of capital, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort. Um, so many landlords took this lackadaisical attitude toward flex 
thinking that you just put up spec suites and it leases them themselves. We've all learned through this experience, it's, it's not as easy. Um, having watched MRP, we've also seen some other um, great landlords like Heinz and Tishman Spire and even Brookfield. Everyone's testing it out. I think, you know, you guys, obviously, um, you've learned a great deal. Um, you've reorganized, you've restructured. I think it's, um, it's a compliment um, to you guys um, seeing value and reorganizing in a manner that you only come out stronger and better. Um, I, I mean, it just, it speaks, it speaks volumes for itself. So um, now that um, you're staying within your portfolio, I know you make, make offices at one, one time was up to 15. How many um, buildings within your portfolio are you now um, offering flex? Yes. Yeah, so uh, there are 11 um, flexible, oh. like, or locations with flexible assets in it. And that can be either um, our co-working or it can be our, one of our spec suite programs. Um, Town Hall is one of them. You know, we're kind of known here, at least locally in the, the DC market for Town Hall, which was yep. um, kind of pioneering at the time, was created, you know, five or six years ago by MRP. And really what it is, it's a natural kind of graduation or extension from, from co-working. What you do is, private office suites. The office suites have you know, small huddle rooms or conference rooms and management offices and usually a kitchen like a spec suite would have. But it's all wrapped around a, a central core of amenities like yep. you would find in co-working. So there's large conference rooms in there. There's large event space. There's a large you know, you know, kitchen area for entertaining and things like that. Um, rooftops, balconies, all of that. Um, and so that that product has done has done great. Um, you know this location I'm in right now. You know, I'll go back to that circular uh, location. We've delivered various things as part of this repositioning in 2010. The food hall um, has opened and is it is slowly opening. Um, the flexible office, the co working was delivered. The spec suites haven't. Um, we've got white space white box space behind me that you know some spec suites are going to go into. Four of them are going to go up here. There's going to be a lot more down on the fourth and fifth floor. I'm up on the 10th floor right now, which is the, the top floor. There is a wait list from the co-working floor for these four suites. Oh, that's great. Seven deep right now. We haven't even, you know, we haven't even had the, the plans approved. So that's another aspect of asset value creation and how the asset and ownership benefits from flexible office. But it also takes that product fit uh, that we've talked about because the environments match, right? The type of client and member that's going to go down the, that that co-working floor can see themselves up in here or in the traditional office space here. No, you you um, you, you just said the the special words: organic growth um, increases margins and makes every stakeholder very very happy around the boardroom. Yeah, well, we've got a stretch goal that. Um, that we do 20% of our deals um, outside of co-working direct in an asset. So right. that either, and what and and how what we would define as direct is graduating out of co-working 
or comes in through the digital marketing of co-working and ends in a, in a, in a suite. Right, right, right. Which, you know, you hit on something else right there that we didn't discuss, which is how are you getting your leads? How are you getting your members versus the tenants, which is a total diversion from, from the old way of thinking, because now we're all into this technology and the analytics. Um, I guess you have the benefit of getting it from wherever you can. You're getting it from different sources. Yeah. I, 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 assume, I assume you're still employing the, uh, the lead generation through Google Analytics. Yeah, yeah. So, so all the traditional digital marketing um, tactics that we did as 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 make offices, we're we're doing now, and and, and then some. Um, so, one thing in kind of surveying the market and and going back and and, and um, recapturing from a data driven or analytical analytically driven way the conversations we're having with members, we believe that there is a an opportunity in the market to be more kind of consultatory to um, to these leads. And so um, in the near future, we're going to be kind of rolling out a, a new brand that is to do that because we've got a lot of people who come to us um, thinking they want co-working, but really wanting private space. Or we have people that come and tour space and be like, oh, this isn't what I was looking for. And um, we kind of word mapped a lot of those conversations recently. And it, 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 made, it brought us to the realization that we can actually be a service on the intake of a lead that's looking for space or signs up for a tour, that pre-tour, which we've always done, we've always done a really good job of sort of, of that intake conversation, but taking it to the next level of, okay, do you have line of sight to, to, ha- to where you're going to be 12 months from now? What's confidence level around term? How important is privacy? How important is amenities? Um, you know, all, all of those things. And that's just, a, you know, a small sample of the kind of questions and the conversations that we're having. And so that allows us to really place them in just a ready now spec suite that it doesn't have the amenities because, you know, elevator expo- elevator bank exposure is not that important or something like that. Right. Or, hey, you know what? We're a second, third generation family services company. We know exactly how much space we're going to need. Expansion adjacent to us or within the asset isn't that important. And we can kind of tease all that out. Um, so that'll be coming, you know, pretty soon. We're, we're we're excited about that. And then each of our products will sort of sit under that umbrella cons- consultatory service. Um, and that way, we can kind of place them in the right product type. And and really, the objective is the most. Effective efficient capital expenditure on real estate in any metric that they, you know, that they, that they track, whether it's, you know, per workstation, per employee, per, per what um, is what we'll, we'll drive. We want to arm them with, with the efficiency uh, of those dollars spent and put them in the right space. And Josh, well, those, con- those conversations would be had regardless of lead source. So broker, digital, like, will they funnel into, and then who has that conversation? Is it a broker? Is it the leasing agent? Like, who is that? Yeah, so that's that's us a lot. Sometimes that's that's myself, um, and it's the kind of the the commercial team that 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 sits on on Hay Day and and our flexible office. So 
Sometimes it's actually our asset managers early on having those conversations. We're evangelizing a, a lot right now, um, spreading sort of the, the gospel of flexible office. Um, you know, that's another interesting thing we see, we haven't touched on that we've seen in the pandemic. We've absolutely seen an increase in broker-led deals. I, you know, I just mentioned before that our stretch goal is to see 20 to 25% direct non-brokered because we're graduating them up and or they're coming through our website and we're realizing that you know, traditional office and or um, you know, spec suites are the right are the right fit for them for you know various reasons. Um, but I we've we've seen a significant increase in, in, in broker deals as well. And I can I, I, I you know fall back on old make office data. It was maybe ten percent were were brokered. So the the the, the other ninety percent were either uh, friends and family of of existing members, or they were coming through digital marketing d- demand and right. Um, but now we've seen that's up to 35 percent brokered. Uh, I think that's because um, requirements that were out in the market have now shrunk down to something that's either more co working, and it goes back to what we were saying before. You know what? They need to wait it out, and they need to wait it out in in a in a situation that is month to month or or sort of short short term time, so they're not tied to it for a, for a long time. But I also think there was probably financially driven as well. I think you know probably some broker commission dollars were driving up and they got a lot more creative than they ever did and said, Hey, well, you might not need the four, full 15,000 square feet, but what about this team that needs to be better? Can we get them a 10 person office? Um, I think there was probably some of that going on as well that we've seen. Um, and it's also, you know, it, it's, it's also, cause I've had, I've had these talks. They want to make sure that when it's time to move back into that 10, 15,000, that they haven't lost them as a client because they found them the interim solution. So that's great. Michael, last question. Um, no, I think we hit it on Josh. This, this is so informative. This is, this is great. I think just, you know, where you've been, um, how you reorganize to where you are, it just speaks volumes of how you've realized um, throughout the entire process um, where your focus is, where your tenants, um, you know, how you can satisfy your tenants' objectives. And you, you seem to be marrying the, the design aspects, the technology aspects, and probably more importantly than anything else is the hospitality aspects that you're introducing into um, the office environment. Um, it, it not only speaks volumes to, um, as we say, the future of work, but I think you're also finding um, what it does to value of an asset, which at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to achieve. So, um, you know, this this, this is great because, you know, you guys are DC based and, um, you know, you've learned a great deal um, and you seem to be um, thriving on, um, you know, what you've learned and where and where you're going. No, Michael, I appreciate that, and I think you you opened up with describing MRP as an innovative company, and I'm I'm lucky that they they brought me on you know about three years ago, and um, that's absolutely a hallmark and reputation of this group. Zach Wade, who I know you both know, Jamie and and Michael and 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 Allison uh, Johnson, who leads up our our property management group, and who, who is who is the creator, the architect of of 
our heyday concept and has has executed and brought it to market. But MRP is absolutely a, a visionary and innovative group. And I think that we are boutique and work at a at a small scale allows us to not trip up in taking that vision to uh, to an executable uh, phase. And and so it's been it's a, it's a it's just been a really rewarding group to work with and, and fun to be part of. That's awesome. Well, hey, we're glad you uh, shared your experience with us. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks to you both. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And we started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. You can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.